Well, we've been in this series called Three Days to Live, and we've been talking about the afterlife. And if this is your first week joining with us, we've been trying to answer some questions about what's on the other side. And uh, the first week we just kind of talked about death, and then last week we talked about hell. And this week we actually get to talk about heaven, and appropriate on Mother's Day that we get to talk about heaven. Um, But uh, the, the interesting thing about heaven is so many people, I think, are confused about what heaven really is. The great theologian uh, Gary Larson uh, gave us a picture of what heaven really is like. Um, this is this is not what heaven is really like. I, I don't know if you've ever read The Far Side, but I, I love The Far Side growing up. But this is a picture, and I love this because this is what a lot of people think heaven is going to be, is that we're just going to be angels with halos. We're going to sit around on clouds and, and do absolutely nothing. We're going to be bored out of our minds for, for eternity. Well, believe it or not, that is not what heaven is going to be like. Um, you're not going to just kind of be a, a big fat angel and just sit around, okay? That's, that's, that's not it. And there are a lot of just misconceptions uh, about heaven. And, and there are a lot of, but there are a lot of questions like, you know, will grandma be there? Will Fifi be there? Will there be streets of gold? You know, what's, what's it going to be like? We'll be floating on clouds. How will we get from place to place? What will we look like? Do we get to choose what we look like? All those kind of, you know, lots of different questions. And And the Bible is not, you know, super clear in in answering all those questions, but the Bible does give us a pretty good glimpse of of some things about heaven. So today we're just going to look about what does the Bible say, what what does the scripture say uh, that heaven looks like, what does it say uh, is going to happen there, and and so today today should be pretty fun. Um, We're going to kind of bounce around a little bit, but the first thing I wanted to to share with you, I was reading this passage uh, this week, actually I was reading it just in, in my own personal time with God and ran across this verse, but it's really cool. It's in 1 Corinthians 2, 9. It says this, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. In other words, you can't even imagine how awesome heaven is going to be like. I mean, even in the, in the best imagination that we have, no, even in, with just the, the, the cr- most creative, artistic expression that you've seen, even in the greatest movie, even in the greatest um, work of art, you have never imagined how awesome it is going to be. Um, I took a family trip to the mountains uh, a couple weeks ago. We went up to, to Franklin, North Carolina, and, and my parents have a, a little mountain cabin up there. But on the way home, we decided we're going to do like a waterfall tour. So we just stopped at like every waterfall we could possibly find on the way back um, from Franklin. And we took uh, two days to do it. We went through um, Highlands, North Carolina. I don't know if you guys have ever done that trip between Franklin and Highlands, North Carolina, and then into um, Cashiers and Sapphire and then back down through Clemson and um, back to Flat Greenville. But it was it was beautiful. It was a lot of fun. And we were at this waterfall. I'll show you a picture. This is actually Dry Falls and my whole family was there, and we got, this is a really cool one because you get to walk underneath it, and it's really fun. And there was just this moment where, like, we, we weren't necessarily at this waterfall. I think we're at a different one. And we're hanging out, and, I just, and I'm sitting on this rock, and I'm watching my kids kind of play by the water. And, and you know, I'm, I'm playing with the baby. And, and it just was like, it, have you ever had those moments where you're like, it just doesn't get any better than this. And for me, I, I love the mountains. I love being outdoors. I love waterfalls. And it just was, it was like the whole family's here and it was peaceful and the weather was perfect. And it was like, man, it just doesn't get any 
better than this. And then my daughter says, Daddy, I need to go poopy. And I realize, uh, you know, we are still living here on earth and it doesn't stay. Usually those moments when you have those moments, they don't stay, you know, like that very long. So we had to pack up the car and go, go find a place to, to poopy. So it was a lot of fun. But, um, but I don't know if you've ever had those moments where you just thought, man, life just does not ever get any better than this. If you've ever had those, um, the Bible says heaven is going to be infinitely greater than that moment. Listen to the psalmist. It says this. This is a, 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 neat, a neat passage. It says, um, and I just, I just lost. Oh, here we go. Psalms 84.10. It says, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. In other words, better is one day with God. Better is just one day with one moment with God than thousands in the, in, the, in the best place you could ever imagine elsewhere. I mean, you could be in the best place, the most beautiful place you could ever imagine, be there for a thousand years, and just one moment with God, just one day with God is, is way better, is way better. And that's what heaven is going to be like. But people think some strange things about heaven. Here's a couple other uh, misbeliefs about heaven. People think that heaven... Um, well, that we're going to become angels and have a halo. And that's not true. We don't become angels. People think whoever um, obeys the Ten Commandments goes to heaven. That's not necessarily true. Whoever goes to church will go to heaven. A lot of people say things like that. Well, I go to church, so I'll go to heaven. That's not true. Whoever does more good things than bad things will go to heaven. And that's just not true. Whoever believes in God will go to heaven. And that's not true. The Bible says that even the demons believe in God and believe in Jesus. They know that he exists. Um, but they're not going to be in heaven. And it says whoever, you know, or maybe people believe, you know, it's only the, the murderers and stuff that, that don't go there. Um, some people believe because their parents uh, are Christians and go to church, that it just, they inherit that and, and they go to heaven. Some people believe just because we're an American, we're quote unquote a Christian nation that we'll go to heaven. And none of those, none of those are really true. Listen to what uh, Jesus says about heaven. And this is kind of a, uh, an alarming uh, scripture. It's in Matthew 7, verse 13 through 14. And he says this about heaven. He says, enter through the narrow gate. And he's talking about um, the, uh, the gates of heaven. He says, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And that term destruction is another term for hell or eternal death or Hades. He says, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Now, this is a pretty, you know, if, if you're a, a person who kind of goes by the belief, that, the belief that most people go to heaven, this is a very sobering um, passage to hear Jesus say this personally, to look out at people and say, most of you are, are going to, to hell, and only a few of you will go to heaven. That's not really a statement that people like to hear. It's not a very popular statement. And that's why Jesus really wasn't a very popular person when he lived on the earth. I mean, people loved him, but there were also people who hated him and wanted to kill him um, because he said things that, although they were true, they didn't like to hear. And so this is the thing you need to understand about the statement. It's not a statement of exclusivity. It's not a statement saying that Jesus says, I'm only going to let a few people in. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, I'm only, there's a lot of you, but I'm only going to let just a couple special people in. That's not what he's saying. It's, it's a reality check. Because so many people just believe this. They believe that most people are going to heaven. And the reality is, is most people choose to reject Jesus. Most people do not 
choose to follow Jesus. And so just by the sheer numbers, uh, the Bible says that broad is the road. In other words, there is a lot of people traveling a path that is leading them in this life to death, to destruction, to hell. But there's only a few people who are on what Jesus calls the narrow road. It's not because that the road is, is small and it will not only allow a certain amount of people. It's not, it's not what Jesus is saying. Because Jesus says, whoever believes, whoever believes is, is, is welcome to come. Whoever trusts in Jesus for the eternal salvation is welcome to come into his kingdom. But it's just a statement of reality that there are a lot of people who you and I, who know, who, who will not spend eternity in heaven. And um, as a pastor, I get to do funerals and things like that. And there's definitely not um, something fun that I, I want to do. I've only done one. But I've been to, been to many. And I remember going to one particular one in which I knew this, I knew this person. He was a, uh, a man who I had worked with. And he died at a young age. He died at 30 years old. He died of um, colon cancer. And it was, just a, it was a terrible, tragic death. And he was a man who denied God and did not love God. And, um, and rejected Jesus. And I went to this funeral, and um, they did this big funeral, and, and everyone at the funeral said, he's in a better place. He's in a better place. And they said, the angel, you, know, God, you, know, you know, Peter's greeting him at the gates right now, and he's going to see Jesus and see God in heaven. And I, I was, as a Christian who knew him, I, I just hoped and prayed. I, I don't know where, where he is. I don't get to determine where people go to heaven or to hell. I don't get to make those decisions. But I do know that so oftentimes I, I've never been to a funeral where they say, this person's, you know, this person, family, um, just take heart because this person's not in a better place. I mean, in fact, this person is going to be eternally suffering for the rest, of, you know, for us of all eternity. I've never heard that in a funeral. Any of you? No, you never have. And, and you never will. Because no one wants to say the truth of what reality could be. Instead, people want to say, oh, of course, he's going into heaven. But the truth is, what, this is just what the Bible, this is, not, this is not me, and I apologize if this is very offensive. This is not me. This is what Jesus says, that there are many people who will not make it to heaven. Um, but the, the truth of heaven is, is that Jesus did say uh, in, in the book of John that anyone who comes to me um, can have eternal life. And so, so we are convinced that it is, it is through Jesus. Now, I think the other thing that people kind of talk about heaven, and, and I think is a problem among Christians, among people who do believe, is that heaven is not really a big deal. And that is, in other words, you know, heaven is one of those things that it's, it sounds good one day, but right now I'm okay. There was a pastor who stood before his church and said, all right, everybody, heaven is coming. Who wants to go to heaven today? And, you know, and he kind of gets everybody riled on. He's like, who wants to go to heaven today? And, and everybody's like, woohoo. And he's like, if you want to go to heaven, stand up. And, you know, a lot of people stand up. And, and he sees this guy in kind of in the back corner who's not standing up. And he's like, you know, the guy didn't want to go to heaven. And he's like, come on, people, whoever wants to go to heaven, stand up. And the guy just sits there. So the pastor's a little disturbed. And at the end of the service, he goes and, Asked the guy, he's like, you know, do you not want to go to heaven? He goes, well, sure. He said, but I thought you were like getting a group to go today or something. And he's like, and I'm not, I'm not interested in that. And, uh, and, and yes, but I, I think that's probably the, the average Christian's perspective on heaven is that heaven sounds nice one day, but I, I have a life to live. And, and although I, I don't think there's anything wrong with desiring to live, I think it's a good thing having a, having a desire to live. I think there is a, 
a downplay sometimes that we do with heaven. We say, well, heaven's is not necessarily going to be all that, so I've got to get all out of life that I can right now. It's this mentality that I've got to live for today because tomorrow might not really be that great. And the thing that we need to, to realize is that heaven is way better than today. And that, in fact, if you had a, a picture of what heaven would be like, if you could just go visit for a day, I think there's, there's probably a, a 100% chance that you would want to stay and you would not want to come back here. And, and the reality of pictures is, of, of today is that heaven is awesome, but sometimes we just downplay it as Christians that, you know, one day, one day I'll get there. I've even heard people say stuff like, listen, if my ex is in heaven, I just assume go to the other place. You know, I've, I've heard people say stuff like that. Or if my, if my pet's not in heaven, then I'd, I don't want to be there. You know, I've heard people kind of joke about it in that way, but the reality is heaven is a, is a big deal, and it's a place that you and I are going to want to be. Let's look and see what it's going to be like. We're going to look all the way at Revelation 21 as we're going to spend most of our time today. Um, It's the very, very end of the Bible. The last two chapters of the Bible are Revelation 21 and 22. And an incredible two um, chapters of the Bible. It really is the the conclusion of all that God has written in the Bible from Genesis um, all the way to Revelation from the very beginning to the very end. Um, And so this gives us a picture of what it's going to look like. At the very, very end, Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. One of the things we can learn from this passage is is that God's going to establish a new heaven and a new earth. This is uh, the book of Revelation is written by um, by John, and John, of course, wrote um, other other stuff in the Bible, but he wrote the book of John. But John was exiled on this island called the island of Patmos, and while he was exiled by himself on this island, God gave him a revelation, hence the word revelation, of what it was going to be like in the end. And this is him being descriptive of what God is revealing to him of what heaven would be like. So this is through the eyes of, through the eyes of John, God speaking to him, to showing him, this is what I want you to reveal to the world, what heaven will be like. And here's what he says. The first thing is there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, and, and for some of us, we've kind of just imagined, and maybe, maybe you've thought this your whole life, that heaven is kind of this place in the clouds that we'll go and spend eternity. That's not true. You will not spend eternity in heaven. If you're a believer, you will not spend eternity in heaven. You're like, Jay, what are you talking about? Actually, you will spend eternity in the new earth, in the new heaven and earth. And because when, if, you were to, if you were to die today, uh, the, the Bible says that you will go be with Jesus. And right now the Bible describes that the heaven today as the throne room of God. That the, and I don't know if it's a physical place. I don't know if it's just a spiritual place. But there's a place where God rests. There's a throne somewhere. It's called heaven in the Bible where God sits on a throne and Jesus is at his right side. 
And so if you were to die, you were to go, you would be with God today in that heaven. Um, but the Bible also says in the end times, whenever God decides to, to end what is now life on this earth, that Jesus will come back. He will reign on this earth for a thousand years. At the end of his reign, um, the whole earth is going to go away. Not just our earth, but the heavens will go away. So there will be all new heavens. There will be an all new earth and God will recreate heaven and God will recreate earth. It'll be a brand new recreation. And um, this might be new for some of you guys to hear. You know, I don't know if any of you guys are really um, green conscious and, and earth conscious. And I think that we should, the Bible calls us to be good stewards of our earth. I think that's very important, that we need to recycle and all those things, that there's nothing wrong, and it's, and it's only biblical to be a good steward of the earth. But I believe that there's a lot of people who just, who, they almost worship the idea uh, of the earth. They, they worship what God created as if that's the most important thing. And in reality, all that we see here, our houses, our homes, our roads, our cities, the rocks beneath our feet, the stars that we look at, they, the Jupiter and Mars and our solar system, all of those things, the Bible says, will literally get wrapped up and wiped away. How God's going to do that, I don't know. But if he can create it, he can wipe it away. And so, so God, in the end, recreates everything. Recreates everything. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but that's what God does in you spiritually. If you read 1 Corinthians, it says that when you come to know Christ, it says that you are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has passed away. See, God doesn't just believe in fixing stuff up, which I'm glad. Because I've tried to fix stuff up before. Have you, have you ever, if you have kids, you, you know this. I clean it. We have a suburban and... It is, it's like a buffet of crumbs and a buffet for like roaches and ants. They just love our vehicle because it's just a plethora of, of yummy leftovers. You know, old chicken nuggets and like old milk. And the, I mean, it's just incredible. It's awesome for them. Old French fries, you know. And, uh, and so like, I don't know if you've ever like cleaned the car. I'll go with this one time. I cleaned the car really, really good. And I, I bought this, this stuff called New Car Smell. I'm like, this, this is going to do it, you know. This is, I cleaned it up, I vacuumed it, I shampooed the, the carpets inside. I'm going to get new car smell, and I spray like new car smell everywhere, right? And, and, you know, and then the next day, it like sits out in the sun all day, and I open up the door, and it smelled like new car smell mixed with like old milk and like old food. And, you know, and I was like, I was like you know, this is not necessarily the most pleasant smell. It, it didn't really mask it. It just added to the nastiness. And, and I'm, I'm glad that God is not into, uh, into just fixing up. God's into recreating. God says that when you come to know Christ in your spirit, says that our, our spirit inside due to sin is dead. He said, but when you come to know Jesus, he gives you a brand new spirit. It's not something that he just fixed you up. He recreates and he does it with the earth. This is an incredible picture because if you remember in Genesis, the very first two chapters of Genesis, what does God do? It says that God, the very first verse, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so from out of nothing, God birthed the stars. God birthed what we call our solar system. God birthed what we call the universe. God created what we call earth. And he put water and land and divided the land and, and, and called it, and he called it good. And he created animals and, and he created us. But in the end times, 
at the end, once we're in heaven, once we die, yes, we'll go into heaven and be with Jesus at heaven. But it said, the Bible says that there will be a new city, a new earth. And, and listen to how he describes, he says that there's going to be a, a holy city. It's pretty cool. He says, I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a, uh, as a beautiful bride. Uh, it's this idea that if you've ever been to a wedding, you, when you see the bride walk down the aisle, like everyone just kind of looks at the bride and is like, oh, she's, you know, she's the prettiest girl in the whole place. That there's, that's what it's going to be like uh, in the end when God creates everything new. And, and a, a city is literally, and I don't know what's going to happen, but the Bible says a city is going to descend from heaven, from the heavens, from the stars. And it's going to come down and it's going to be a new city that, that God will dwell in. I want to read you some, some more passages um, about this. Listen to, um, uh, sorry, in, in Isaiah sixty-five seventeen, um, through the prophet Isaiah, God tells him, He says, "Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth." And when He's saying heavens, He means what we consider heavens, celestial beings in the universe. He says, "But in keeping with this promise in Second Peter, it says, but in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home." Of, of righteousness. So it's this picture of God's restoration of him making everything new. Look at, listen to Revelation 21. This is kind of a long passage, but it gives a really cool just uh, description of what the city and the new heaven is going to be like. Listen. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of, like that of precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. Now he's going to give very descriptive um, stuff. So it might not necessarily be made out of jasper or made out of crystal. um, But we know it just, it kind of appears that way. It appears full of color, full of brilliance, full of light, something that is, is, is almost so hard to describe in our own language. And he says this, he said it had, um, it had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. They, there were three, great, three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, three on the west. The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of, 12, of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. And the city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. So it was just, just kind of a cube. Uh, and it's interesting because we really don't have cities that are, that are cubes, but very, very different. And here he says that it, the rod found it to be 12,000 stadia in length. And it was as wide and high as it was long. And, and I just did the math. That's about just under 4 billion square miles. To share, shares with you just the breadth of this city. Just enormous, bigger than anything that we, of course, have on the earth um, right now. But four billion square miles worth of city, as high as it is wide as it is deep. And it's just brilliant as made of jasper or crystal. It says, the angel measured the wall using human measurement, and it was 144 cubits thick. And the wall was made of jasper, and the city of pure gold as pure as glass. The foundation of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, ninth topaz, and the tenth turquoise, eleventh jacinth, 
and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were made of twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. That's a big oyster, isn't it? Um, the, the, great, the great street of the city was of, was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. So if you've ever heard of the streets made of gold, this is where you get this, because the city is, is made of gold, and it says it has streets that were like gold, as pure as transparent glass. So in other words, it gives us a picture of this city that is, that is beautiful. There is both color and brilliance and architecture. There are foundations and walls and gates and there are rooms and there are streets. It's a, it's, you know, that's why you, I don't know if you're like me, but I, I like architecture. In fact, kind of early in high school, I really wanted to become an architect. Um, I love the shapes of buildings and the, and the shapes, especially if you go like to an, an old city and you see really cool old architecture. I think that all of us love love buildings and we love cities because um, we're image bearers of God. And that's what God is creating for us. He's creating for us a, a beautiful, brilliant city. How many of you have ever been to the Biltmore? Ever been to the Biltmore and walked around? And I remember when I first went there, and probably like for everyone, you just walk around and you're like, man, this place is un. It's unbelievable. You're like, how did somebody just live live in this place? And I remember the one thing that I walked around, one of the things I kept thinking was how expensive everything must have been. Like I would look at this candle holder and it would be huge. It would look, you know, I don't even, it would look like it was made out of silver. And I'm like, man, that thing's got to be worth a fortune, just a candle holder. And then they had these, you know, paintings that had to have been worth a ton in his library. Just everything in the house just was beautiful and it was grand. And when we walk, when you and I walk through a place like that, we're just like, we're kind of in awe. And that's why so many people pay for tickets and pay a lot of money just to walk through the house. You're going to live in a place in heaven that is so far above and beyond. So much more lavish and expensive and, and just and brilliant and amazing than, than ever the Biltmore could be compared to. And when you walk into a house like that, you're like, man, I could live in a place like this, right? That's the image of God in you, Sam. And I, I could live in a place that's really nice. That's why we love things like precious stones and jewels and gold. We love their beauty because God's placed in you this, this love for things of beauty. And God is going to put us in a place in heaven that is more beautiful than you could ever, ever imagine. God loves architecture. God loves beauty. And here's the interesting thing, too. That actually, later on in that, in that passage, it actually says that the gates will be open all the time. There's, they're, never, they're never closed. In other words, although you live in a city, there will be a new earth for you to explore. And people have thought, you know, well, if, if I'm going to be in heaven, is it just going to be like, you know, I just kind of sit around all the time? No. God's created you a, a city to explore, a, a city, a, a place that you can experience life, life conscious life, not life that's like, as soon as I die, my conscious is gone. The other thing that's interesting that people have asked about, about heaven too, and when they die is, you know, um, will, we be, will we be conscious in heaven? Will we still have the same name? And the Bible talks of people's names in heaven. It lists, it lists the prophets, the tribes of Israel. It gives the, the names of, of the apostles. That People will be there. Um, the, great, the, the, the saints of old will be there. And they'll still bear their own names that God had given them. And, and I don't know, maybe God will give us new names. And sometimes God did that in the Bible. He gave people new names. But needless to say, you, you will be a person who has a name. And you'll be a person who lives in a city. And the, here's, the, here's probably one of the best parts of it though um in in verse two or in the next part 
the second thing that we learn, it's not verse 2, sorry, it's in, um, actually verse uh, 3, but it says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Listen how awesome that is. There's no more crying. There's no more sadness. There's no more sickness. There's no more disease. There's no more injustice. There's no more poverty. There's no more AIDS. There's no more diseases. I don't know, you know, if some of you have like, maybe you have a disease. Maybe you have an ailment. Maybe some of you have known people with cancer. All that's going to be gone. Maybe you have a bad back, you know. Maybe you have bad knees. You know, maybe you're going deaf like me. And, but it, in the end, it's, there's not going to be any of that. There's not going to be any more, you know, rapists or robbers or dentists. I mean, it's going to be a beautiful place. <laughs> Sorry. If you're a dentist, I apologize. I just don't like you. Um, but, but the Bible says there's not going to be any more injustice and any more poverty. And here's the cool thing. It says there will be no more death. Did you know that death is not natural? Death is a product of sin. That God did not create you for death. God created you for life. And that's why if, you, if you're here and you've ever feared death, um, the reason why is because God did not make you for death. And the reason why we, we don't like death and we're not so quick to get there, you know, or none of us are really in a big hurry to get to death, is, is because death is not natural. God did not create you for death. God created you for life. And, and all in the Bible, it talks about that um, through, through, through the scriptures that Jesus and that God is life. But sin, but sin is, is death. And so you know, it goes back to the very beginning of the first two books of the Bible. Again, um, the first the first two books of the Bible and the last two books of the Bible, they go hand in hand. It's kind of, the Bible is written like this. It's written as like a beginning, middle, beginning. I don't know if you've ever seen a movie like that where it starts in the beginning. You kind of have a middle story, but then at the end, it's really not the end. It's just the beginning again. Well, the Bible is written that way between the first two chapters and the last two chapters. In the first two chapters, things are beautiful. They're the way they're supposed to be. God creates everything new. He creates a man and a woman who walk in a garden with him. And he knows their name and he walks with them and he fellowships with them. But then when sin came, there came death and there came a, a curse. And there came the, when, when we became disobedient to God, there became this thing called disease. And we, we became people whose bodies wore out and in the end would die. So d- death is our enemy. Um, but Jesus gives us life. Listen to this in, in the next part of that, Revelation 21. He says, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. This is, and in, then in, in verse, um, in Revelation 22, uh, a chapter over, it says this. It says, No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. And listen to this. It says, They will see his face. In other words, the, the God who right now seems sometimes unknowable. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but maybe your kids have asked this question. Maybe you've asked this question. like, how can we really believe that God is real when we just can't see him? We can't touch him. You know, we, it's not like we can sit and just talk with him. You know, yes, in our spirits we can. We can pray to him. We have his, his word to, to know that he is true. And sometimes we, we sense God speaking to us and, and we see God move. Uh, kind of like we see the wind move things, and I, I understand that. But it says in heaven, when after you die, 
it, it finally gets to the place where God restores it the way God wanted it to be. And that is that you get to be face to face with your creator. Face to face with Jesus. Face to face with the throne of God. That there will be no more wants, no more needs, no more stress, no more disease, injustice, no more poverty. No more wanting, no more, no more feeling inside that says, I just, there's, just need, there's just more to this. That desire in you that keeps saying, man, life isn't supposed to be like this. This is just, I, I, I don't feel like I'm just, I don't feel like I'm whole. You will be when you get to heaven because you'll be face to face with the one who made you and with the one who created you and designed you for one purpose and that's to have a relationship with him. You see, God started it in the beginning. I want to have a relationship. I want to create man and woman in my image and walk with them and enjoy them as a family. But they've been cast from me. I've had to put, put them on the earth apart from me. That's why I sent his son Jesus. If you've ever had to be apart from your children, if you have children, if you've ever had to be apart from them, when you get back together with them, there's a sense of, oh, this is just this is what I've longed for. That's what it's like for God. That's the restoration of things. That's the whole picture from the beginning to the end. It's not just this God who creates rule books and you're supposed to follow them. And if you're bad, you go to hell. And if you're good, you go to heaven. The the story of God is not nearly so much about us as it is about God. And God has created a family, you and I. And he started in the beginning. He wanted to, to be with you. And although sin came into our life, he sent Jesus to to make a way and to pave a way so that in the end, we could be with him again. That we could be family back together. That there would be right in the sit, right in the center of the city. It says it's the throne room of God. And in and, and, and Revelation, it also talks about the tree of life is there, just like it was in the garden. And it said those who eat of the tree live forever. And same, it's going to be the same way. That there's going to be, like, like there's going to be food. There's going to be things to do in heaven. It's not like you're just going to sit around. You, you probably want him to just sit around and sing. I, I think that God's going to give us an opportunity to explore and be adventurous and, and live and know and have conversations and talk with other people and meet relatives and meet people that are, are, are in the faith. And he's going to give us an opportunity to sit before his feet and talk with him. And it says that he will, it says that he will wipe every tear from our eyes. Can you imagine that? If you could just picture that for a moment all the stress and just pain and frustration of life. That one day when, when you make it and you stand before God in heaven, that you would, you would come before him on his mighty throne and you would feel so worthless being in front of this enormous God who is just so powerful. You would have this overwhelming sense that I just do not even belong in his presence. And it says that he's gonna, it's like he's going to pick you up and he's going to wipe your tears away. And say so there's not going to be any more sadness, no more death, no more pain. That's what we all long for, isn't it? And here on earth, it seems like so oftentimes people, that's what people live for. They're trying to create a little bit of heaven here before, before they die. But let me just w- warn you about something. Because so oftentimes on earth, we can have this picture where we, we, we want to, everything to be happy and pretty and, and as heaven-like as we can here. God never meant for this place to be like heaven. 
Okay, sin has corrupted this place. Death has come in. And because of our sin, this place is cursed. This place is corrupted. And it will never be like it's going to be in heaven. There will always be pain. There will always be death. There will always be sadness. There will always be sickness. There will always be injustice. Something will always happen to you that you don't like. But we're living for a day that is very different. That's why Jesus said this. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. He says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. He's overcome the world. And so if, if right now today life doesn't seem very exciting to you, if it's stressful, if it's not very fun, you need to do as the Bible says, that you would fix your eyes on Jesus. The Bible says to keep our, our minds set on the things above. In other words, we would live today like heaven is tomorrow. That we would live today like heaven is tomorrow. Uh, I saw this uh, picture on the internet. This this uh, young fourth grader responded to this idea. If, if you could live today like heaven was tomorrow, how would you live? And he said this. He said, if I could live today like heaven was tomorrow, he said, I would never have any clean clothes. Because who wants to do laundry on their last day? You know, and, and I thought that was that's pretty brilliant. You know, nobody wants to wash laundry on their last day. So, um, but if if you could today live like tomorrow is heaven, how would that change the way you lived? If you just had three days to live, how, how would it change? And you knew that heaven was in store with the stresses, with the worries, with the Man, uh, you know, just all the stuff, the, the list, the finances and the, the problems that you list and the ailments and the sickness and all the things, the huge list of complaints. Would some of those things kind of look a little small? And would all of a sudden you might turn your eyes and say, God, I'm going to be with you in glory soon. And I better, I better share with others all that I can because there are people who might not be there with me and I want them to be there with me. You see, if you just had a picture of heaven, I think that you would tell everyone about Jesus. You know, if, if hell is not compelling, I think heaven is probably more compelling. To give people a, a picture and an idea that there's a place where God will love them and where all injustice and all problems go away. It's a picture that you and I, we can't even fathom. But like the Bible says, we haven't even imagined how good it's going to be. Because what, what would change for you? If you had to live like tomorrow was heaven, what would change for you? What would you do differently? How would you live? How would you speak to your coworkers? How would you treat your spouse? How would you treat your children? What would you say to them? What would you do with your finances? Would you use it differently? What would you do with your home, with your vehicles? How would you use it differently? How would you view your things? How would you view the stuff that you put so much energy and focus on? And pour yourself into this thing, this job, this work, this hobby, this whatever. If heaven was tomorrow, how would you live? My guess is it would change. For you, I don't know how it would change. But why not start that change today? Because you never know. Heaven may be tomorrow. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you've given us a picture through your word. um, What it's going to be like in the end. And what we're going to get to experience with with you if we know you and trust you. Father, we know that it is only through your son, Jesus, that we come to know you and that we come to heaven. Father, we can't just be good people and make it and make it there. We can't just be people who go to church and make it there. The scriptures say that if we confess 
with our mouth and confess in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that's the only way that we make it into heaven. So, Father, I just pray if there's somebody here who's, who struggle with those, kind of believe that everybody's going to heaven and that they are too without Jesus, I pray that you just impress upon them today, Father, the, the need for them to come to you and to get to know you and to give their life to you, Father, so that one day they might would see you. Father, help us to live today like heaven is tomorrow. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.